up into my circle with the opposite of Urkel When I pull up flying purple, people eaters couldn't bite me I sealed the fate of Herschel And I just leave them on the limb and hand them up in this rappers are walking that I already killed them Skin blanco, lyrical weapon kicking like a Bronco Head honcho, spherical presence came from the grotto A dead rapper at his body in a poncho Welcome back to the show. It has been a while, but we're back. The unofficial podcast of Banker Life, Banker's Life. That's why we're unofficial. I can't even say can't Banker's even Life. Say it. Fieldhouse. As any grows, my co-host Taylor. Jay. Say something. Jay Hall. Very good. My second co-host Scott Swan. Hello. Who's actually probably going to take over this interview because he's way better than us. No, no, no. Most likely because he works for WTHR. He is an Emmy award-winning best anchor and also voted best reporter by the Indiana Associated Press. That's pretty impressive. Yeah, I feel like I could stop there, but I have more. I have more. Keep going. Keep Should going. we stop? No, keep going. I like this. This is so. When I read it like this, it's boring. I just want to <laughs> say. So I mean, he. So here's what I wrote down. What I'm excited about. Okay. You interviewed former heavyweight champion Mike Tyson. That was a trip. I yeah, Mike. There was he that is. here in Indiana. That was in Las Vegas at his home Vegas. in Vegas. Yeah. So you've you've lived quite the life. We can stop there, and this is a good <laughs> podcast. This is a good episode. Well, we've got a lot to talk about. Scott is an uh, awesome uh, human being. We've got uh, we've got career to talk about. We've got uh, your speaking uh, yep. a little bit, um, and a couple of crazy life events that happened recently. Mm. Um, but where I'd like to start is if you could just kind of tell us what got you started into broadcasting. I was 15 and in high school and in this TV production class. And I got my first taste of what it would be like to be on TV. Uh, originally, I thought I'd be a sportscaster. I had a real interest in, in sports. And I did some sportscasting for my high school. And I just loved it. I, I decided at that point I want to be on TV as a sportscaster. And so I went off to Pepperdine in California and uh, majored in broadcast journalism and started a career in sportscasting that took me to Palm Springs and Hawaii. Uh, I worked in Los Angeles as a producer, oh. and I interviewed the Lakers and the Dodgers, and and when I went to Hawaii, I covered the uh, sumo wrestling, and I covered <laughs> University of Hawaii football, and really? the you Pro Bowl, it. and yeah. the Hula Bowl, mm -hmm. so golf tournaments. Um, so it that was what I thought I wanted to do, but eventually got into news, and I've enjoyed news even better than I've enjoyed sports. How long were you in sports? Well, I did sports probably a year and a half as a producer in Los Angeles, then another two years in Palm Springs and three in Hawaii. So, you know, six or seven years. So three years of sumo wrestling. <laughs> yeah, oh, right. my gosh. Just How long would it that. take for me <clears throat> to get to the point where I could be a sumo wrestler? You need to start eating right now, right now. and not stop. <laughs> During the podcast. <laughs> right. We had at the uh, time that I was in Hawaii, which was in the late 80s, a uh, Hawaiian who became the grand champion of all of sumo, Saleba'a Tisanoa. He was over 500 pounds, and he basically won the Super Bowl of sumo wrestling. And wow. so he was a boy from Hawaii, and so we covered him and his, you know, his march through the, uh, you know, through the sumo world into this grand the ranks champion. of the sumo world. Right, right. Have I, you ever watched it? Oh yeah. Yeah, uh, I did a report on it in college because <laughs> no, here's I just, why. I'm not surprised. But well, exercise science was my yeah, degree, yeah. Mm. so we would we would do a lot of like athlete studies, and they the, the lifespan on these guys is is very short, like much shorter mm -hmm. because of all the weight, the sure. heart problems that they have. I mean, they die really young, mm -hmm. and it's actually an honor, like like overseas, like in Japan and those places, like at least what I researched, but. Um, I mean, is that is that what you found? Well, I, I 
you know, it's been so long since I've covered it, and really we only covered his uh, his victories in Japan mm -hmm. from a distance. We never traveled over there. Right. But I am going for Channel 13 to Japan uh, next fall to cover some uh, human interest stories, including sumo wrestling, for our upcoming mm -hmm. Olympic coverage. Wow! So one of the mm -hmm. one of the real joys that I have as a Channel 13 anchor and reporter is to go to the Olympic host country a year ahead of time and do feature stories and then bring those back and those air during the Olympics. And so I've done that all the way back to 2004 mm -hmm. and uh, starting in Greece and moving through, you know, all the different Olympics. So. That's interesting because we just had the Olympics and you see those stories. I, I didn't realize you were filming those like a year in advance. Right, right. Yeah, we usually go a year in advance. My photographer, Steve Rhodes, and I go and we do a lot of the research now and start looking at stories that we think would be interesting and and uh, sumo wrestling will be mm -hmm. one of those oh, stories sure. that we want to cover when we're in Japan. That's actually why we brought you on the show. <laughs> we wanted to learn more about sumo wrestling. minutes about <laughs> sumo wrestling. Well, that's fascinating. So yeah. then you got into into broadcasting in the news. Yeah. Uh, what have been some of your like most memorable interviews? Well, I, I, I would say a couple of the interviews that I've really enjoyed doing are ones that touch the human spirit. Uh, I was aware of a teacher at Heritage Christian School mm -hmm. who spent his entire career writing handwritten birthday letters to every student that he's ever had oh, in wow. his, his class. He's been there 25 years, so he's had over 2,000 kids through his, through his classes over the years. And he continues to send these handwritten letters on your birthday if you've been in your class. Mm -hmm. So whether you're 15 or 55, mm -hmm. you still get a handwritten letter from Dan Strelp at Heritage Christian School. He'd be a great salesman. And, and he, is, <laughs> he is the most humble, <laughs> quiet man that you'll ever meet, but he's got a love for these kids. And he's got a love for God that he wants to share with these kids even when they're in mm -hmm. adulthood. My three kids went to Heritage, and so I saw my kids getting these birthday letters, and I thought it'd be a really cool story to show this love that Dan Straub has for these kids, you know, for thousands of kids. And so I convinced him to do the interview, went over to his house and saw him at night writing 20 letters a day, you know, wow. for a kid that was going to be, you know, celebrating a birthday next week. And he would send hundreds of letters to these kids. And then we and got they're personalized. Into, they're personalized <laughs> letters. And so he would know something about you because right. of what you know, what he remembers about you in seventh grade Bible class. Right. And then he would get to know a little bit more about you as you got older and went to college and got married and had kids. And all those letters show up on your birthday, not the day before, not mm -hmm. after. They show up on your birthday. Right. It's amazing. That's incredible. So that in is one of the stories doing what we called Sincerely Mr. Straup is one of the mm -hmm. stories that I'm, I'm most proud of. And I'd probably say the second story is a Greenfield Marine by the name of Josh Blyle, who went over and fought for our country in the Iraq War. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> and he was hit, his convoy was hit by a roadside bomb, and he lost both of his legs, right above the knee. And I was aware of this, and I called his parents and said, can we come to Walter Reed Army Medical Center in DC and interview your son, who's suffered this traumatic uh, injury? They said, sure, we'll you know, have you come into the hospital. And 12 days after he arrived back in the United States, we met Josh. And his attitude was such that I just knew that this kid was going to have this remarkable comeback. 
And that's what we followed for a couple of years. We followed Josh's recovery from the time where he lost both of his legs to the time where he got his first prosthetics, started walking on these prosthetics, to the time where he walked off the plane back to Indiana, which was an amazing day, to the time where he was a public speaker and going out and giving these motivational speeches. Does he speak for the Colts? He has sp I've spoken heard him for speak. the Colts. He's fantastic. He is amazing. Yeah. And so here is Josh Blyle, whose life was altered forever mm. because he served our country. And yet he took a horrible experience right. and has not let that affect his life. He now talks about his faith. He talks about um, how you can overcome obstacles in your life. And the guy's an amazing story. Yeah. And so being able to present that story to my viewers on Channel 13 was just an honor mm -hmm. because of who Josh is. He's a phenomenal speaker. I, I've sat in a lot of sales meetings and uh, motivational events, and and a lot of it gets a little bit redundant. But when he spoke, people were listening, and he, he obviously got a standing ovation at yeah. the end. But, um, yeah, that's cool. I, yeah. You get to meet some of these people. And, and I guess I didn't realize, like, as a reporter, like, how often is it that you are – I'm hijacking this interview. Do you have questions? No, he won a national award for that one. I did. Uh, but it, it, for me, that is uh, – you Secondary. know, that's the, – the, when you win awards like mm -hmm. that, that's all based on the story yeah. and the person awesome. that you're right. interviewing. Right. Very little to do with right. anything we're doing. Mm -hmm. Because Josh and because Dan Straub are incredible people, right. that is what garners the attention. For sure. And the hair helps. I the mean. hair helps? <laughs> have you won a Best Hair Award? No, I have never won a oh, Best okay. Hair Award. You know, I used to have, before kids, I used to have brown hair. So, uh, <laughs> so and, then, and then three kids, <laughs> boom, it, so it so went white. Now? Not now. No. <laughs> no, he's gonna stop it too. Because we each have Although one if right I could now. rock okay. it like Scott, then absolutely. I know. Uh, you know what? Know. I'm just happy to have hair at this right. point in my life. <laughs> exactly. Oh my god. Well, gosh. what I was gonna say earlier is I didn't realize, like as a reporter, like how many of the stories you're actually going out and getting mm. versus the new, like people are just submitting. Right. Like how? I mean, how much of your time spent as a reporter is is you digging up stuff and and trying to figure out what you think would be good to report? I I, I do quite a bit of my own interviews and stories. Uh, but we've got a whole team at Channel 13 that puts together great stories uh, to fill our newscasts every day. Uh, but there are some special stories that I have a particular interest in. And so in those cases, I'll go and do those interviews and, and have those, you know, on TV. But, you know, I really, even though I anchor two newscasts a day, I really consider the heart of my job being a reporter. Yeah. And so I love going out and doing the reporting, uh, meeting people and asking them questions and finding out what makes them tick is why I got into the business in the first place. I'm a curious person. I like to find out, mm -hmm. you know, why people do what they do and, and what makes them tick. So what's been your favorite story this year that you've covered? That's a good question. Um, do you consider this a story? <clears throat> yeah, I think so. Okay, in a, in a way, I mean, right this is, <laughs> if this is it, just cut it now. Yeah, we'll just loop it. Right, right. That answer. One one of the uh, one of the stories that we covered this year that I'm I've really enjoyed was this guy who lives in Putnam County. He had a brain injury uh, that was similar to a stroke a couple of years ago. And not sure where the thing came from, but he uh, was lost the ability to walk and talk for about a year. Mm. 
as part of his uh, rehab, a speech therapist suggested that he try painting. And so he, he was handed a brush, some paints. He had never really painted before. He told me he's had zero artistic ability. And he started painting using the non-dominant hand to paint. And all of a sudden, something unlocked in the creative side of his brain that he had never talked about. And now this man is an accomplished painter wow. being able to do amazing painting. This is a guy who's never painted before. And because someone suggested as a way to help him with his speech, try painting using a different side of his brain with a non-dominant hand. And he was able to start painting and he was painting, his paintings started upside down. He was not seeing them as being upside down. It was mm -hmm. just the way his brain was seeing the, the painting. Huh. He was painting. So if he's painting a barn, instead of looking <clears throat> at a barn that's right side up, mm -hmm. he would start with the painting upside down. And that's how he started. And so that probably, it's it's called so the bearded painter. Does he bearded now like painter. consciously like paint upside down then? He doesn't even realize that he's he is it. painting it upside really? down. He's just he's painting the yeah. way he sees the painting. And then his wife or his uh, daughter will come in the room and say, Dad, you've got the painting upside down. <laughs> oh my and God. so then he'll turn it upside down <laughs> You're right. in the right, right side, side up, <laughs> and he'll continue painting. That's crazy. Uh, Have you seen the videos where, see, I always thought that artists, like street artists, did that for effect. Well, they, it's like some they're painting do. upside down, and then they're like, no, this is what some it is. Some do, yeah. So that could actually be a thing where they, they're not even so conscious of So does he sell his that. art now? He, he now, he does sell his art. Uh, he's got a Facebook page called The Bearded Painter. The Bearded Painter. It's and, awesome. Uh, his name is Rick Johnston, and that uh, story aired this uh, year. But it's this the miracle of the mind where he still has trouble. He can't write his name, and he still has trouble coming up with words yeah. when you're talking to him. But, boy, this guy can paint, wow. and the stuff looks amazing. So that's, that's my favorite yeah. story this year. Awesome. Well, you've been in California. You've been in Hawaii. What do you like about the Midwest? What separates us from those markets for you? Be careful. Well, this is literally an Indianapolis-based podcast. <laughs> right. are we, what we are we setting them up for here? You know, it's funny is when uh, in 1996, when I was, uh, I'd been out of TV news because I suffered from panic attacks for 10 years. So panic attacks drove me out of local TV. I, was, I missed that I was, timeline. So that was after. That th was this was after Hawaii. After Hawaii. I gave up my career because I was suffering from panic attacks. Mm -hmm. Not just panic attacks that were affecting me on TV, but were affecting me in other areas. So I quit TV, went and worked in a different field, and those panic attacks started to subside. My brother-in-law uh, married my wife's sister and moved here to Indiana. And I knew that Indiana was a great place to raise kids and had never been but came and visited, came and uh, interviewed with another TV station in town and got a job uh, here in Indianapolis. I raised my kids here. Uh, my two kids, I've, uh, I've got two uh, kids that went to IU. Uh, one that went to Purdue, so you can imagine what oh, kind the of rivalry. The rivalry yeah. uh, in my house. <laughs> but we've now been here since 1996, so 22 years, mm -hmm. and have really loved the Midwest. We love the seasons. Wish the winter wasn't as long as it is, mm -hmm. uh, but uh, we love the people, um, you know, and we, it's a vibrant city in which to work, and I work for a great TV station. So once you find a place that your family enjoys, we're in a job where you enjoy, 
who wants to move. Mm -hmm. Do you have a favorite activity that you and your family do in Indy? You know, we used to come here to Banker's Life Fieldhouse all the time because my wife used to work for the Pacers. She used to work in the marketing department. She was oh. here for 10 years. So I was sitting right behind uh, in section one, mm -hmm. row 15, hey. on the aisle uh, every night bad. for 10 years, which was, uh, which was great. So we're big Pacers fans. Um, do you awesome. have when you have season tickets? Do you get special like treatment for other events? To, like were you? It was more than just the Pacers. Yeah, we we get to some concerts, yeah. you mm -hmm. know. And when the kids were smaller, we'd be here for Disney on Ice and, oh, yeah. and other it's events. Coming up. Yeah, is it? Mm -hmm. <laughs> you and your fam, January sixth. Yeah, be we'll be here. Activity <laughs> could be. Have you, you ever seen go? the Indianapolis Symphony Orchestra? Uh, I have seen the. It's been a while since I've seen them, Can but I tell they're you what great. I did last night, and I've got this popcorn kernel in my mouth. That and I brushed my teeth twice <laughs> since since oh. but, and but this is reminding me like every time I hit it I'm like oh yeah I got to talk about this so we went to the symphony orchestra mm -hmm. playing Star Wars so they actually Ooh. played oh the yeah movie. Right. how is that it's amazing yeah well so what's interesting is like uh, so they play Star Wars on the screen they take the score out and it's live it's it's a live symphony and and you get there and you it, but it's, it, at first it's hard to figure out what you're, you're supposed to focus on because you're watching the movie because you're a fan of Star Wars but then you see like people moving their instruments around and stuff like that and you're like you kind of get distracted by it and then I started just watching the orchestra because they're so incredible yeah. and, and like you, you can see like the tense parts of the movies like or of the movie like they are getting like really <laughs> into it it's super loud I loved it and I ate popcorn and now I and now so you have still I'm suffering <laughs> you, you wanted to leave it around to remember how fun it was. Yeah, that's what actually, you're right. I, was, <laughs> I have foresight. Oh. But yeah, that was really, you guys, if you haven't seen that, like, you should check it out. I've okay. never actually seen the orchestra outside of Star Wars. Okay. So I, that's my mm. association now. But you've seen them. Do they play the same place ever? Is that where they, they play at the play? Hilbert Circle Theater? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they play there. Yeah. And they do Symphony on the Prairie out at Connor oh, yeah, Prairie right, during right. the summer. And that's yep. always, usually when we go, yeah. you know, it's right around the July 4th sure. holiday. They do a pretty good, uh, pretty good concert there. We used to live right there, and uh, we I could sit on my roof and and watch the fourth of uh, the fireworks during the fourth of nice. July. Nice, yeah, mm -hmm. it was pretty cool. We never got to Connor Prairie like while we lived there though. Mm. We just avoided that because Allisonville was nuts. <laughs> <laughs> Still is. All right, uh, I want to get to the big event in his life, but you had did you have one more question before we get to that? Well, huge Pacers fan. Since we're at Banker's Life, yeah. what's your prediction for the Pacers this season? Well, I think with LeBron being out of the Eastern Conference, that helps the Pacers in terms of seeding. Mm -hmm. And they've already had a very good season, very good start to the year. They're a good home team, which is, which is exciting. I think if they can keep Victor Oladipo healthy and bring some of these other players, I'd like to see Miles Turner ramp up his mm -hmm. offensive game. He's obviously a great defensive uh, yeah. presence. Uh, but between Sabonis and some of the other, uh, the bench is mm -hmm. looking good all oh, of yeah. a sudden. They, they have a great depth Tyreek Evans. Yeah. Tyreek Evans is going to be so huge in the playoffs. He, I think so, like, too. He's such a good addition. Right, yeah. right. Exciting. I mean, it's gonna, it, look, we're, it's going to be a tough road. You know, mm -hmm. Toronto and Boston Toronto. are very good. <sighs> Didn't but see we that don't, coming. But we don't have to worry about Cleveland anymore. And <laughs> right. so, no one does. <laughs> <right>. <laughs> and, you know, Milwaukee will probably be a factor right. in the East. But uh, sure. I'm really excited about this team. And so. Boston is the one that scares me. Boston. Yeah, I mean, just so the coaching loaded. and they have so just much coaching depth. for sure. Right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I love the Pacers, though. I'm excited. We're going to have a couple of Pacers on the show. Yeah. Our city is better when the Pacers and the Colts are both good. There's just something about it. I can't define right. it, but I think when both teams 
are successful and doing well and making playoff runs, that's good for the city because it's, I don't know, right. it just makes everybody feel better. When's, the, la- when's the last year they, you think they both have been a good team? That's more of a subjective question, but like, what year do you remember? The Colts, I was just at the Colts game, and the last banner we have was from 2014. Yeah, Yeah. Colts haven't been to the playoffs in like three or four years. So, Mm -hmm. so I mean, but but if anyone's from like Cleveland listening to this, or right, uh, you know, some of these other cities, like we're pretty blessed to have this. Oh, for sure, hundred percent. Yeah. All right, I forgot I was going to ask, so we're going to get into the big event. Um, and I, I just found this out, but it's, I guess it's well documented that uh, a year and a half ago you had a, mm. a really serious life happening, um, and uh, and you've been speaking about it ever since. So if you want to kind of fill us in on what, sure. what that was. Yeah, back in April of 2017, I had just gotten off the newscast, and I'd had a really bad stomach ache that had been there for about a week. And I texted my wife. I'm like, what do you think I had to do? And she sent a text back, all in caps, go to a doctor. Mm -hmm. So I did. I jumped in my car, uh, drove to a a hospital, got checked into the emergency room. They did some tests and said, you're bleeding internally. There's a medium-sized artery that's down near your stomach that has burst. And we're not sure exactly why this is the case, but uh, I was in bad shape. I was in critical condition. My blood pressure was 50 over 30. Uh, My doctor would later tell me I was in grave condition. My brother-in-law, who works with the uh, Fishers Fire Department, got uh, to the scene and and, uh, told some family and friends, I'm not sure that he will survive the ambulance ride that that is going to be necessary to get him to a larger hospital. Uh, got loaded into the back of the ambulance. Uh, I felt peace. Uh, felt, and as a uh, as a Christ follower, I really felt that that was God's peace uh, in the back of that ambulance. And when I got to the uh, larger hospital where I could get this uh, critical care that I needed, the doctor opened me up and found that the bleeding had stopped. There was no good medical explanation for the bleeding to stop, but I again feel like God healed me in the back of that ambulance. And I spent 12 days in the hospital. They ran some more tests and found that I had been suffering from a previously undiagnosed uh, disease, an autoimmune disease called vasculitis pan. I'd never heard of it, went to the Cleveland Clinic, found out there were about 80 people across the country that are treated for this autoimmune disease. It's the the disease attacking medium-sized arteries as if there's a foreign object in your body, but they're Mm. attacking the arteries. And that's what ended up happening to me, and that's why this medium-sized artery burst. They put me on some some medication, told me probably would be no reoccurrence. And so I came back uh, several months later, did another CAT scan, and they found no evidence of disease. So I'm in remission, um, healed at this point, uh, and it's a miracle. And so as a result of this experience and this uh, this idea, I believe that God saved my life using the doctors and the nurses that were at St. Vincent. I've been kind of on my own personal crusade telling people about my faith and the idea that I don't understand why I'm still living. I don't understand why God saved my life, but I feel like I'm in bonus time and I feel like sharing God's faithfulness, his healing power, the fact that God is still a God of miracles, Uh, that the miracles are not just what are found in the Bible, that I am a miracle. They can't explain why I'm still living. Mm. Um, And so I'm thankful every day. And so I've I've been all across the state sharing in small, medium, and large 
churches and all sorts of different settings, uh, God's wonders that are talked about throughout scriptures. I mean, I am a living miracle. So. It's incredible. It just kind of gives you chills, you know? Mm-hmm. Do you find that, um, so you're, you're speak, you actually speak about this on a regular basis I do. In, in churches. Um, as a man of faith in, in the public eye, you know, on, on local news, do you find it, it difficult to be able to share, like, with that medium mm. of your faith? Or is that something that you, um, I mean, we're pretty conservative here in Indiana, but there's still a lot of politics that go into that kind of thing. Like, how do you balance that? Yeah, I, I would say in terms of uh, on TV, when I came back on TV two months after this life-threatening uh, health episode, I talked about it in the social media landscape, and I think that's where churches learned about my 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 faith. Uh, I talked about it a lot on Facebook and a lot on Twitter, and I did you know some Facebook Live elements talking about God's goodness and the healing power, and that's where churches learned about it and said, "Would you come in and speak?" You know, we've got a lunch group or a dinner group or even Sunday morning giving the actual message. And so that's what I've just been doing. Um, I feel like the Holy Spirit has really given me a boldness and a courage to talk about my faith. And uh, I feel like this is part of God's plan for my life. Uh, I have a platform of being a TV, mm-hmm. you know, reporter, anchor, but I really feel like, you know, that's my profession, but my purpose in life is sharing my faith. Wow. And so to be able to do that in faith-based settings or on the podcast or at channel 13 and social media settings i enjoy doing that that's phenomenal well we're we're happy to have you and and i would love to hear more of your story and part of the reason but one of the cool things i think about this podcast is like um we're one guest podcast so you see one guest and that's probably the last time you'll see them on our podcast but we hope that they follow you outside of that and mm. if you're speaking if you're still speaking on a regular basis uh, where can people find you like we can find you I'm, I'm assuming on social media platforms right i'm on facebook instagram twitter yeah. uh those are the places where uh where What's they can handle? find me in the social media uh landscape it's usually scott wthr which yeah. one's your favorite <clears throat> to use personally my favorite social which uh, one's your favorite social media platform you know i'm still i'm a consumer of twitter mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. i'm a content provider more of facebook and i'm not really good in the in the instagram world but i realize that's where my kids kind of hang out <laughs> mm-hmm. and a lot of the world hangs out so i mm-hmm. yeah, I'm, I'm more of a uh, consumer i guess of instagram right. well you're gonna get the as indie grows bump Awesome. Look for, forward to that. So the next picture you post needs to be a good one. Uh, Scott Perfect. Swan, everybody. Thank you for being on the show. I enjoyed Thank it. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Appreciate, Appreciate it. it. Best of luck, you guys. At As and E Grows on all social platforms. At Taylor J. Hall. Taylor John Hall, J-O-N. But close. On social, you're at yeah. Taylor John Hall. Yeah. I don't follow you still, so. Oh, I don't wow. follow you either. Good. At Rim Ram 4. <laughs> we'll see you next time. Step into my circle with the opposite of Urkel When I pull up flying purple, people eaters couldn't bite me I feel the fate of her